Welcome, Seekers of Truth, coming to you from the edge of the known universe, better known as the Granite State, home of Betty and Barney Hill. Through the magic of electronic alchemy, a portal to another dimension has opened. You are about to make a metaphysical connection. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. On episode 90 of the Metaphysical Connection, Walt Schnabel and I, Eric Renner Kingfisk, talk about Stargate Project, the CIA special program in remote viewing, mind control, and other ventures into the paranormal using taxpayer dollars. On a brighter note, a special shout out to our listeners and fans, Josh Endicott, Deborah Delfmore, and Desiree Procell. Be sure to join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash The Metaphysical Connection. And follow us on Twitter using either at Physics Laxative or Fedora Chronicle. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, we're rolling, man. We're rolling. Okay, okay. We are on the air. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So the thing is, is that we want to do a special shout out for our uh, uh, our news anchor Jim Loretta, and um, he's he's got a. Can we say what happened on the air? Just or can yeah, we just? I, I don't see why not. It's not a secret. Yeah, uh, Jim's it's not a state secret or anything. Jim's mother had passed away. Uh, she lived a good full life. She is. Mm-hmm. Very, she was uh, very loved by. Uh, by Jim and everybody else who knew her, you had mentioned uh, Including me. her, her yeah, a couple she, of times. She was a wonderful woman. And uh, we're our our thoughts and prayers are with Jim today, and right. uh, uh, and um, you know Godspeed to his mom, and uh, you know, and uh, she she did she did one thing right. She she raised uh, a, a a pretty decent guy, I think. Uh, Jim's mm-hmm. Jim's one of the best. So uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, it it. It comes for us all sooner or later. So yeah, you know, that's that's just the way it is. Yep. She was ninety two, so she had she had a pretty full life. She had a good run. She did. Yeah, I think I yeah, I think I would take that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what else is so going on into the uh, realm of the paranormal and the the unexplained and and conspiracy mm-hmm. theories? Wanted to start off the show here talking about of all things coconut oil. And I, ah, yeah, that's <laughs> taking a hit. I know, because <laughs> the thing is, is that uh, I use coconut oil for everything. Um, Good, uh, Eric. That's well, you know, I don't even know what they're saying about it. Is what are they saying? It alters your genetics or something? It's e- it's e- it's evil. It's pure cancer, Walt. <laughs> is it really? They, well, you know, it's funny because um, a ways back, um, and this supposedly goes back to the Egyptians. Um, my wife and I were doing coconut pulling, coconut oil pulling for your teeth. Yeah. Where, where you take, uh, you know, a, it's, it's actually pretty disgusting. You take a wad of like coconut. Um, I guess you could use the oil too. But yeah. It, it's like the, the, the coconut in its kind of, the coconut oil in its kind of solid form. And you put a wad of that in your mouth and it kind of it liquefies with the heat from your mouth. But it, it's supposed to pull the bacteria out of your, out of your gums and around your teeth. Really? Um, but it's it's yeah it's it's pretty difficult and you have to and you have to keep it in your mouth for like 20 minutes so it's it's pretty disgusting actually so eventually I stopped doing it first because I just 
was just couldn't take it. Really? And then my wife tailed off a little bit later after that. But yeah. So maybe that wasn't such a good idea. But supposedly it went back to Egypt. The ancient Egyptians used it as a as a treat like a gum treatment against uh, you know periodontal disease. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, so a gentleman by the name of J.P. Sears has posted a video that we have uh, linked on our group Facebook page. Just go to uh, facebook.com slash groups slash the metaphysical connection. And uh, he has this very funny video about how uh, the government would never lie about um, coconut oil being uh, poison. Would they, Walt? They, they wouldn't do that to us. <laughs> no, not at all. So I, is that where this came from? Was this, uh, this he from the, sort of addresses the FDA or something. He apparently the American Heart Association and the FDA. There's a whole bunch of organizations that are making these outrageous claims that um, coconut oil is just absolutely pure poison. And hmm. uh, one of the things that uh, J.P. Sears has mentioned is like, it's sort of funny how we don't grow a lot of coconuts here in the United States. That's a that's a crop that uh, uh, that we rely on other other countries uh, for other regions of the world. It's because you can't make you can't make a coconut out of corn, and we have a lot of corn mm. subsidies. So you think that's what's behind it? That's, a, that he, that's, his, that's his conspiracy theory, and I think that it is. Uh, I, I think that it is very. Um, what's the word I want to use here? I, I think that the that piece fits together nicely, but it's sort of like funny how. Was well, there is there any science behind what they're saying? I mean, is there any? Scientific studies that show that coconut oil does thus and such to human whatever well, you cells can, or well, you can, something. Well, you, well, the people can rely on us to um, have the link up on our on the metaphysical connection uh, mm -hmm. on on the main page. And uh, well, yeah, I mean, we we have we if you just go to the Fedora Chronicles, yeah, FedoraChronicles dot com, and, and click on metaphysical, or you just go to metaphysical podcast. You click on the show page for this particular episode, and uh, we have some links there to some of some of the quote evidence from the government. But it was just like this is the same government that um, had told us for years there's nothing wrong with smoking. Go ahead and smoke. Smoking does not cause cancer. That's an urban legend. Margin, margarine is good for you. Saccharin mm. and NutraSweet and all these artificial sweeteners are, and, are and good for you. And it tastes good, too. And tastes good for you, too. You know, you know the thing is, I, I think it's like when, you, when they pay celebrities to say that they actually prefer the taste of margarine over butter, you, you know the government is lying. When you have to, like, pay an actor to say, hey, well, I'm... Somebody, somebody's lying, the margarine yeah. industry or somebody... Yeah, you know, it's the way it always is. It's, you, you have to always wonder where these things come from, you know, what the what the genesis genesis of it is and why it's put out there. That's the whole thing. You know, I, I suspect that ancient cultures, tropical cultures, have been using coconut oil for, you know, untold hundreds and hundreds of years with probably no negative effect so no adverse um, effects that we can tell yeah the, well we don't know that's the thing but you know it, it's it's a natural thing it's not it's not something artificial at least i don't think it's derived artificially i think it's it's probably coconut the the meat from the coconut is probably squeezed and, and the oil's derived from that at least i would imagine i don't know much about it but that seems logical to me so I, i'm not seeing how that would be necessarily something that could be harmful but you know again i'm not a scientist so i, 
I don't know what this. I haven't read anything up any of the scientific studies or anything, so I don't know. So I took a moment to go back to my show notes now that the page finally mm-hmm. opened here, and it's <laughs> Harvard professor claims coconut oil is quote pure poison. Wonder who paid him? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I, I think it's because you know, the thing is is like you click on all these news items, and the thing is that it was. Uh, yeah, no, it's Amer- uh I'm not sure if this is from the American Heart Association or the FDA. And um a, a lot of these um like the New York Times had sort of asked is coconut oil good for you or and so like this. Here's and here's the thing that I th- I find amazing Walt is that um we used to spend quite quite a bit of pocket change for lotion and I used to have chapped hands and chapped fingers. And um, to the point where my fingertips were very sensitive and no lotion actually could help. If anything, they all made it worse. For what, so I, I spoke to um, a former guest of ours uh, from Lucky 13, Michelle Densmore, and I had asked her, like, what are the, the uses for uh, coconut oil? What can we use? The thing is, and she said that you could use it as a natural lotion. Just, mm-hmm. you know, rub it into your hands, rub it into your fingers, rub it into the to the area, right. your problem area, and mm-hmm. just dry it off with like a paper towel or, 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 or a cloth. And you'll start to see some of your problems slowly go away. And um, wouldn't you know it, I don't have chapped hands anymore. Hmm. And this is just, and it's just a natural, um, it's, it's just a natural remedy. Um, we've been, we, we've moved away from cooking with, with butter and oil. We've been using coconut oil. And the thing is, is that, I mean, it's not, it's not magic, but it, it we've noticed a, a, a slight difference in, you know, we've our, our 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 weight gain has stopped. We have actually started to lose weight. We're actually we're also eating healthier. We're also going quasi vegetarian. Mm, well, that it, helps a lot of it, and a lot of it. I mean, every little bit helps. But the thing is, is that so? This one Harvard professor claims coconut oil is quote pure poison end quote. And well, you know, as we all know, here these these guys these say just guys, but people. Um, I, I'm always suspect of people that come out with these things from academia because, um, you know, as we know, they're, they're funded. These studies are funded by who knows who. You know, sometimes I'm not even sure you can figure out who did yeah. fund it. Um, but, but these people are reliant upon these funding, these grants that they get from whoever, you know. And I, I have to be a little skeptical that perhaps these these studies get skewed in in a certain direction because of that funding. Um, you know, maybe I'm being um, conspiratorial. A, a, a little, what's that? Conspiratorial? No, I don't think it's even conspiratorial. I think I think it's just it's it's like. Do you remember the um, the guy who did the the studies? Um, it was hard. He was a Harvard professor. I, I lost his name right for the minute. He he was studying abductees. Right. Yes. Yes. And, we've and um, he found out through his work, through his study, that these people, as it seemed anyway, were telling the truth about this, and and um, Harvard didn't like that. <laughs> You know, that he was coming out with that. And he almost lost his job, or I think he may he may have lost his job. Um, do you remember his name offhand? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm, do, I'm actually uh, doing a Google search. Yeah, hold on a second. I'm I, wish doing, I, I wish I could pull his name up. But. I'm actually looking it up right anyway, now. Anyway, it, it doesn't, it's not really that important. But but we, we discussed that on a couple of shows previously, and we talked about abductees and things like that. John but that's e. the kind Mack. of thing I'm talking about. John Mack. What's that? Remember that's John it. Mack. John Mack, thank you, thank you. 
Thank you for Google. Huh? Yeah, thanks, Google. Um, so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That you know, you, you know, I have to be skeptical. I guess is the best word about these kinds of things and, and what these results are. Because you know, one day you hear that coffee's bad for you, and then a couple months later you hear that coffee's good for you. And so you know, I think everything in moderation. You know, if you drink huge quantities of coconut oil, it's probably not going to be good for you, like everything else. Exactly. You know, yeah. If you, yeah. If you cook your eggs in the morning in coconut oil, eh, which we do a couple times a week. No, every day. A couple times a week. You know. Well, I mean, come on. Is that going to, you know, is that going to do what they're saying? You know, I, I have to really look at the study and decide what what's actually going on with it. So, anyway, did you um, did you see the post that I put on? Uh, I think it was yesterday or last night about the new uh, film coming out. The Hunt for Skinwalker Ranch? That's it. The, yeah. And it was just like, actually, think? go back to episode four of the Metaphysical Connection podcast, and we actually talked Is about the book. Back? Yeah. That far back? We, that's episode when, four? That's, yeah. We, wow. that, we actually talked about the book, um, The Skinwalker no. Ranch. Well, I know. I remember, yeah, I remember we did a show, but I didn't realize it was that far back. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So, um, what do you think? <sighs> Well, hey, <laughs> you know me. Uh, yeah, the, um, I, I mean, obviously, I believe that there's something there because of my own personal experience. I do think that is it Bigelow that owns the Skinwalker Ranch territory? And the thing is, is that they, they keep that under lock and key. A lot of people call that the quote, the real area. Uh, well, he's, he still owns it, right? Yeah. So the thing is, is apparently that, he's he's listed as being in this in this film. Yeah. And it was uh, this is now this is coming out in um, it's coming out on nine eleven. Yes, <laughs> believe it or not. Oddly enough, I don't think that's coincidental. Um, and you know, from what it sounds like, um, this could be something. This could be this could be blowing the lid off of some kind of a project that's going on there. I yeah. think some kind of either it's either it's either a government project or it's a privately funded project by Bigelow that's maybe somehow connected to the government. I, I don't know exactly what, but um, I, I'd love to get this guy as a guest, the guy that made the film. I've, I've e- actually emailed him a couple of times and yeah. haven't gotten any back, anything back from him, but he's been busy with um, getting the movie um, <clears throat> ready to release. It's it's available on uh, Apple. Yeah. Apple Play, I guess. Uh, I think I'm going to get it. I think I'm going to download it because it's it sounds very intriguing. The, the uh, one of the main players too is George Knapp. Yep. Who who's been a um, a regular feature on Coast to Coast for for many years now. Uh, he's been involved in a number of um, things along these lines. He he was the one that had the initial conversations with the guy that worked um, at Area 51. Yes. He was kind of a whistleblower originally. Uh, I forget his name, too. I'm losing names today for some reason. I'm sure Eric can dredge it up, though. Right. Um, he's been a controversial figure over the years who claims he actually saw alien technology and, and actually... Um, cross-engineered it or down downloaded it and worked on you know figuring out how the alien technology was, yeah. was operating but george Knapp was the first one to interview him way back quite a ways now um so he's got a pretty big history in this in this field so so apparently what's what's going on with this is that they're saying that um skinwalker ranch is the home to uh 
to a stargate of some kind, which which is kind of what we talked about on the show, I think, yes. if I remember. I can remember back... Um, what was it, 80, 85 shows now or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> it's pushing. It's hard to imagine yeah. we've done that many shows. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. that was that far back. I'm surprised you're not sick of me yet. No, no, we're sort of still rolling along pretty good, I think. Um, <clears throat> of course, I only have to put up with you every two weeks. So that <laughs> and that could change, too, because <laughs> the thing is, is that yeah. we've got so many topics that we that that with too many uh, too many topics, not enough time. Right, right. So, what do you think? I mean, uh, this is something that if you know if we can't if we can't get him as a guest, um, if he's too busy or or you know just whatever happens, um, I think it's worth doing a show about it. Um, and if nothing else, reviewing the film. You know, if we can't get his direct input, maybe we can have a go at it ourselves. What do you think? <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch, No Trespassing, uh, is a book yeah. by Ryan Skinner and D.L. Wallace. And I have actually sent a couple of emails off to Ryan Skinner to share with him my story. And I think that I was, I tried to get him on the show. And for whatever reason, we weren't able to uh, connect. Uh, so I the, remember the thing that. is, right. So, but Ryan Skinner's book on Skinwalker Ranch is the first real definitive book that I can think of off the top of my head. Whereas somebody actually kind of, uh, talks about their own personal experience at the ranch and the thing is is that strange things occur to some of the researchers who were hired by bigelow i understand and like they were there and the thing is is that it's is is it's not really sure is it demonic are there creatures from another realm is it is it extraterrestrials pan-dimensional beings not really sure but there are some really sort of horror all of the above all of the above could be and this i I think personally um dredging back what we talked about going back to that show um i think it's some kind of an interface between this and um another dimension um of some kind, or maybe multiple dimensions. You know, it's 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 some kind of an opening in the fabric of of what we perceive as our reality, um, which allows these kind of beings. Um, there's all kinds of things there, and and you know, this goes back to the Native Americans, which is why it's actually called the Skinwalker Ranch yeah. because that's where the term comes from from the Native American um, they, they've named certain beings that they've encountered over the years Skinwalkers yeah so that's that's where the that's where the name for the ranch comes from I'm assuming yeah so um, I, I don't know I don't know what's going to be uncovered by this documentary but it sounds very very cool to me and something that I think we sh- we need to um, it's like right up our alley I think for the show. Yeah, it really is. Connection. So, um, I don't know. Let's, let's download it when it comes out. And if we can't get, actually get him on the show or maybe, who knows, maybe we can get George Knapp or, or whoever, maybe we can get Bigelow. Why not shoot? Why not? Shoot. Right. Shoot Bigelow. Go Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would also, be, um, I think it also behooves us to try and get Ryan Skinner on the ranch as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when he wrote that book, but it's going back a ways. Well, I, I while you, um, while, while. you know, who knows what's going on there? I mean, um, this this may be some kind of a segue into our uh, topic of the day, which is remote viewing. I don't know if anybody has actually remote viewed that, you know, um, which is another whole realm of um, psychic kind of stuff going on. But um, 
don't know. I didn't. I didn't encounter anything about that with remote viewing during my research. I don't know if, if you did, but um, so this sounds like something to me. I I, I want to get what's what's the guy's name who made the film again? <laughs> I, sorry, I lost this. It's Cor- Carbell. Yeah, Corbell. Yeah, uh, Jeremy. So the first name is Jeremy something Corbell. Yeah, let me just see here. Obviously, I will obviously uh, edit all this out here because there, there, there are uh, there's there are so many books out there. Because the thing is, is that now all of a sudden there are so many books on um, Skinwalker Ranch. All of a sudden, uh, let me think here. Obviously, I will. St- well, his name is his name is Corbell. Jeremy. Yeah, Jer- Corbell. The the thing that's intriguing about this to me anyway is that um, this apparently is a government project and has been. Yeah. So it's it's there's more to it. There's more there than meets the eye, so to speak. Also, just as a quick aside, this this movie it appears to be a companion piece to a book of the same name uh, by George Knapp, right? George Knapp is one of the one of the writers. Uh, yes, yes, I agree. Yeah, I saw that. Locker, uh, yeah, Lockyer, Corbell, and Jeremy uh, Kenyon are the um, are the authors uh, attached to this book here. Uh, I mean, obviously, I would I would l- get them on the show here. And the thing is, is that it, I, I think it's fascinating that there have been there's been so much. Uh, time and effort put into research into the Skinwalker Ranch and obviously the thing is if somebody like Bigelow who has made a fortune in aerospace um, has enough forethought to take this seriously and is pouring all this money into this I I think it's it's something that should should be looked into but well or or is the is a good portion of the money coming from the government. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's another whole thing. That, I mean, that's another thing that we, why? you know, and in why the would other, they be doing that in the other show that we have, uh, we actually did a show on Bigelow and that's one of the things that we talked about with the thing is, is that Bigelow has a number of warehouses that are hiding artifacts from strange crashes, like, like strange debris that have been found all over North America. I think that that's, Get Bigelow on the show. See what he has to say yeah, about this. Well, you know, he actually came out on 60 Minutes or something and yep. and confirmed that there there are aliens. He came out and said it. There are aliens. Yep. And there's an alien presence on Earth. So, you know, there he's either he's either out of his mind or he's speaking the truth. One of the two, or maybe a little of both. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, but but he's 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 got a lot of government contracts. Yeah, you know, through his aerospace company, and so he's he's connected to the government, and and um, you know, there's government money definitely throwing flowing through his his company, companies maybe. I think he's got more than. Didn't he make his money in motels or something? Motels and aerospace. I don't know. He's got he's got some kind of a pipeline going there that. Um, and, and like we've talked about in the past, where you know, where's this money really coming from? From you know, is this taxpayer money? Is it? black op funds or what the heck where the heck is it originating you know and again this gets back to um where the money is coming from as far as bigelow is concerned i mean we 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 reported on this a couple of times in the past couple of uh episodes we're talking about the pentagon and the state department losing about like what 
$20 trillion over how long? A 20-year period, if not more, which works yeah, out to I'm, be... Yeah, I'm not sure that they lost it. I think they're just not... <laughs> they're not owning up to what they're, where they're putting it. They're misreporting they're, what they're it. What they're doing with it, you know. And, and, and honestly, if they were putting money into something like a Stargate project, I'd be okay with that. I mean, I'm not saying we don't have a lot of other needs that, you know, maybe that money could go to, but if that's been delineated for special projects or something... Um, you know, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, but they should just come out and tell us, you know, I'm not okay with that. Why should we not know about where our money's going? It's, it's like the whole thing with the Watergate situation, whereas, uh, it's not so much the crime. The crime is pretty bad in and of itself. It's the lying in the cover-up that I yeah, think well, is very... Yeah, that's what it always is. That's what it always is. Yeah. And um, another thing, another aspect... American people can accept... People being human, human beings make mistakes. They do things that, yeah. you know, with um, in hindsight, they probably wouldn't have done and shouldn't have done, but they did it in the moment. Yeah. And um, I think people can accept that because that's part of the human condition. But it's it's the it's the lying and the cover up that yeah. really gets people. If people would only realize that if they just came clean to because it's going to come out eventually, probably one way or another. Um, so if you just own up to it and say, yeah, that's, that's what I did. You know, I'm sorry for it. I. I would do it differently if I could, but I can't change that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the way it is, you know. So I either you either go or you don't. But yeah, one way or another, you have to yeah end up have to have to get to the truth sooner or later and just you know? own up to it. Hopefully, just Hopefully. own up to it. I I listen. I make mistakes all the time. Own up to it, you know. And the thing is, is that that's that's the best way to get past it is, is to own up to it. And the thing is, is that. And we're going to be talking about this in the next segment, and I'm I'm actually surprised that we actually haven't devoted more time to this. The American people could accept the fact that we spent billions of dollars during World War II on the Manhattan Project. We could, mm-hmm. I, because the thing is, there's a result. The you know we were able to end World War II without any more American casualties by dropping these two bombs. We could accept that. We can accept the fact that NASA's pouring all this money into you know, research not just into space, but aeronautical, you know, how to make airplanes more efficient. You know, could we actually build a so solar powered airplane? Is that a possibility? They've, they've, they've done work on that. We can accept that. What we can't accept is endless programs uh, that we don't see any results. There's no disclosure whatsoever. They pour billions, if not trillions of dollars into these black ops project and there's just we we don't know where the money goes we don't oh it's it's a mystery to us too we don't we don't understand oh oh we need to get an order in in, in here i think that's what this documentary might be getting to i think it may be blowing the lid off of this this government project um that has to do with um this this stargate or or whatever this situation is on the skinwalker ranch so yeah. that's why i find it very very intriguing um and and probably um this guy you know this guy's maybe taking some chances putting putting this thing out i, I don't know you know but I, I guess it remains to be seen what the content is yeah and, um, and you know i mean it, it, it's, it's just it's just like everything else though the thing is is like the proof you know the proof is in the pudding or the proof is in the eating you know the thing is is that is it is it going to be worth any of our time We're, only time will tell you will actually have to see the movie watch the documentary to find you know to you know find out if there's anything to it it could be hey you know what here's the thing it looks great it looks beautiful i love the trailer but the thing is it could be a whole bunch of nothing sauce 
Well, you never know. No, we take it. You know, I, I I've got some the, the fact that George Knapp is connected to it. I think yeah. he's he's pretty legitimate. I mean, yeah. he's 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 been in the field for a long time, and right. he's, he's got a lot of credibility. I think. So yeah. The fact that he's connected to it is uh, gives me hope that uh, this could be something good. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to try and contact him. Um, you know, around the time when it comes out is usually when these guys are doing their their real publicity. Yeah. Um, so if I can't get a hold of them, it may uh, at that time it may be a little bit after you know when everything kind of calms down. Yeah. Sometimes you, they're they're a little more reachable at that point. But I don't know. We'll see. It's yep. worth a try. Yep. Another topic that I wanted to address with you, Walt, and this gets mm-hmm. back to another news item talking about Donald Trump's space force. I can't. I every time I say space force, I have to stop myself from from being grandiose and obnoxious about it. But um, there was a huge news item that has been uh, all over all over the media for a couple of days about a um, a, a near Earth asteroid that was considered dangerously close. And uh, mm-hmm. the I thing, saw that. Yeah. and the thing is, is like, did somebody within the the NASA or Pentagon, or you know, within the you know the the, the defense industry or academia say, hey, there's a there there is a near Earth asteroid that could quite possibly come in this direction, and we need something, um, we we need a system set up in the event of of an asteroid come, you know, colliding with, with the earth. Mm. And it was just like, mm. that's, that's not unfair. That's not an unfair sort of like, if we know these things are going to happen, why don't we do something about it? If we know that it's going to happen in advance within 20 years, maybe now. Um, I, I tell you, I, I can't get past the image and, and this, this image um, is, is something that I is like burned in my brain for some yeah. reason is, is, and now, and now Trump's uh, military parade's been canceled. So I, <laughs> yeah. I thought there was, <laughs> I thought there was a chance that he, he might roll out the uh, space force uniform. Yes. Um, at the parade. Yeah. That would be his, his uniform. Cause guys that have military parades, they generally wear, wear the like gaudiest, horrible uniform they can possibly come up with. So I was thinking that he might roll out the new, Space Force uniform for that, but I I, I just can't um, get get past the image of uh, <laughs> him him wearing like some kind of uh, combination of all of the different Star Trek uniforms. Yeah, you know of some kind. Maybe you know maybe you can put your um, put your computer graphics skills to work, Eric, and, and come up with something like that. Put that would d- be, put, that Donald, would, put Donald Trump in a Starfleet in, uniform. <laughs> in a Starfleet uniform. That would that would that would warm the cockles of my heart, Eric, if you could pull that off. I wanted I I'm know, not I'm not I'm not challenging you right fully agree. One of the stories that um, Jim sent to us, which I thought was pretty interesting, was they, they uncovered a um, a lost city. Did you see that? A, I new, did. a North American city? I was saving that. I was saving oh, that for last. Okay. For what? For Jim? No, I oh. was saving it for... Because, well, yes, I was saving it for Jim if Jim was going to be on the show today. Uh-huh. But uh, Jim's not here. So, t- I mean, tell us about this um, lost North American city in Kansas? Yes. In... in um Arkansas... Is it Arkansas City, Kansas, I believe. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's a it's a Native American. It's more than a village. It was actually a city. There were yeah. there were like two thousand um, houses at one time, or, yeah. or whatever whatever they used as houses. Um, so it was a pretty sophisticated place, um, and it existed for I guess hundreds of years. 
Um, well, well before the 1600s, when the when the Spanish arrived, and of course in their inimitable style, the the Spanish arrived looking for gold because they had heard there was gold there, and um, of course the the um, the Native American greeting party offered them. Uh, corn cakes, yeah, you know, as, as a kind of a peace offering, and and the Spanish in their in their style um, took hostages. <laughs> That's <laughs> Thanks nice. for the corn cakes. We're going to yeah. take hostages, and and we're probably trying to get information about the gold or something. So yeah, so the the population ended up leaving the um, leaving the um, the city. They they fled you know away from the Spanish, and then there was another group of Native Americans that ended up attacking it and got into a battle yeah. with the Spanish. And the Spanish fired four cannons at them with these clusters of little iron bullets that were like yeah. little tiny cannonballs. Like shotgun. Which which is actually how the thing got rediscovered because there was a high school student doing some archaeological work with a um, with a college professor. Um, and he had a metal detector and he found one of these little, little metal balls that the Spanish had fired at that point. And that opened up the archaeological dig and they uncovered this you know, which, which would have been a pretty sophisticated civilization. Yeah. Um, they also found some Spanish horse, horseshoe nails and things like that. So, yeah. um, so you have, a, you have um, a high school kid that's really responsible for this. You know, it's an important, pretty important discovery in terms of the um, ancient North American history that we yeah. knew nothing about. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty interesting. It was called, um, again, the name, I'm trying to dredge it, the name. It's up. spelt E.T. Z A N O A. Etsanoa, I guess. Etsanoa. Yeah. Etsanoa. Um, Coronado was the guy that, that initially. Uh, yeah. In 1541, I guess he heard about it. And, yeah. Um, and then there's another New Mexican governor that uh, at some point also knew about it and tried to discover gold. They, they were always looking for gold, I guess. Isn't that the that way, was, though? That huh? was a, and, and, and Catholic conversions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. And we don't even want to talk about the the latest controversy from the from the Catholic Church in the Pennsylvania area. Yeah, um, I don't want to talk about that. No, that's that's, that's too, kind of sad, too, depressing. It's horrible and ugly. Uh, yeah, piece of news that I choose not to put any energy into that. Um, yeah, that just really makes me sick to my stomach. But yeah, at any rate, um, so I think it was a good news piece that came from Jim. That was yeah, that was uh, that's... kind of taken over for Jim while he's in in his mourning stage. But yeah, it's okay. Yep, absolutely. So I think what you and I ought to do is we should take a quick break and uh, come back and we are going to talk about uh, Stargate Project or Project Stargate, whichever whichever way you want to say it, I guess. Um, I think it's just, I think Stargate is, is good. Okay. It's kind of what it's All referred right. to. Because the thing is, is that um, when I do my Google searches, whenever I type in Stargate, I get the movie and the TV show. But when I, when I do... Yeah, that's mostly what people know it by. Right. When I do Stargate Project, that's when I get all of this DARPA, def, um, Defense Department, Pentagon, um, Black Ops Project. So we're going to take a quick break. And, uh, and then when we come back, we are going to talk about uh, the government program into remote viewing. So, okay. So stay tuned.
So just before Walt and I took uh, our, our little break, we had a little strange phenomenon happening here in the uh, New Hampshire studio for the Metaphysical Connection. And um, it was cloudy, it was overcast, and um, I, I had this weird tingling sensation all over my body. And the computer started to crash, and there was this like weird static discharge popping sound in my earphones. And um, and then it stopped, and then the clouds parted, and it was no longer overcast uh, in in the area. And I was just wondering, Jesus, what was that? So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's you know, it was it's it's probably just static discharge from a impending storm that we might be getting this afternoon. So could be a solar flare. Could be a hey, could be anything. It, it could yeah. be. Uh, it could be uh, uh, Donald Trump's space force using their particle weapon against me. <laughs> could be. He may, he may have may have heard us discussing his hair. I don't know. Of course, that came after the after the technical problem. After yeah. Anyway, um, so topic du jour is um, remote viewing. Talking about remote viewing and Project Stargate. Yeah, and, and I think this is something that I don't think many people really know much about. No. Or I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I think it's something that people may have heard of, uh, but may not know very much about and may sort of just kind of scoff at it and think, ah, well, it's just one of those kind of woo-woo kind of things that they say people do, but who knows how it works and who knows if it really works and so on and so forth. Um, so actually, just, just to define it a little better before we really get talking about the history of it, um, the, the actual term is controlled remote viewing. Um, and, and why that is the definitive term is because there's actually a set of um, tenets for it that people have to learn in order to become a remote viewer, as opposed to just remote viewing, which is done by people that are considered psychics that just seem to have the ability to view things um, either from the past or the present or the, or the future because they just have pure psychic ability, um, which, which we can talk about a little bit during the show, too. So anyway, uh, that's that's a, that's something that most of the remote viewers that I heard interviewed and talked about it, they, they made that differentiation that it was CRV, uh, controlled remote viewing, not a Honda CRV, by the way. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, can't take ourselves too seriously, Walt. No, no, no. So um, I guess the best place to start with this is the the genesis of the of the of the Stargate program, um, and and like so many things, and that we're discovering during the course of the shows we do, that there's there's a Nazi connection to this. Surprise, surprise. Uh, there there was a program in Nazi Germany called. Grünbaum, which in, in English means green tree. Uh, and it was actually Dr. Grünbaum or Dr. Green Tree. And don't don't ask me where that comes from. I, I actually do know a little bit about that. I think yeah. it, it was Hitler's term. Yeah. And it had to do with the tree of life. He, he, he believed in that concept, oddly enough. Yep. Because it's a Christian concept. Um, the tree of but, life. But, Can I just mm, interject here? It's from the book of Genesis. It's it. from the book of Genesis. And, and God chose... Uh, to give Adam and Eve a test, as it were. And he put two trees in the Garden of Eden that were special. One, both of them had 
um, strange fruit with these odd properties. The one was the tree of knowledge, where you, where you get to be like a god, knowing the difference between good and evil, and the, and the tree of life, which would give you eternal life here on earth, you know, with God. And it also had healing properties, not unlike the the Holy Grail. And mm-hmm. and the thing is, is that at the, at the tree of life, there was supposed to. It's hidden. It's still here somewhere on planet Earth, and it is somewhere. It's where the Garden of Eden used to be, and it is protected by uh, warrior angels um, or a warrior angel. And, you know, whether or not you believe in uh, the Bible being literal or figurative, I think that it's uh, it could be a metaphor. I think the Tree of Life could be a metaphor for something. I'm not sure which it's up. You know what? It's up to I'm going to leave it up to the, the, the readers to decide. Well, well, Hitler believed in that, and and he, uh, I don't know whether he believed it literally or figuratively, but his his intention was that when Nazi Germany conquered the world, he he would have kind of like eternal life, um, and he would, you know, he was he was shooting for that anyway, and and I think he had a lot of different things going to contribute to that. I think he had some genetic stuff going that he he thought perhaps would lend itself to him having an extended. Um, life, lifetime, um, which which goes back to our friends. Get the bell out, Eric. The Anunnaki. Um, I, I don't know what I don't know what Hitler's viewpoint was on the Anunnaki, or if if he even knew about him. I'm sure he probably did, but um, he he believed that in the concept that you know we had been genetically engineered, and that that engineering could built into that engineering was a was a finite lifetime, which we now have, which is you know somewhere around 80 years or 90 years. Whereas if if that genetics was different, we could live for you know perhaps thousands of years. So I think he believed that was his connection to the tree of life. I think I think that's the way he saw it. So anyway, getting back to the to the German project where Stargate came out of after the war, um, and 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 we're starting to realize that post World War II was a was a pretty frenetic time in term in terms of where the German scientists ended up. Um, well, the, the German scientists that were working on this Dr. Greenbaum Greenbaum Green Green Tree. <clears throat> were um, scoffed up by the by the Russians, and um, they so they were working on psychic control or or being able to use psychic ability as um, a way to perhaps spy on people or or even maybe weaponize it. Um, and at some point, the American, probably the CIA, I think. Um, realized that the Russians were doing this, and and it came out of you know their seizing control of these Rus- these uh, German scientists from World War II. So they figured they had to catch up and either counter that in in some way. I'm not sure how they found out about it, but maybe through intelligence or something. So anyway, that was the genesis of uh, of um, the project. Uh, it was not called Stargate originally. That. That changed um, somewhere down the line. Uh, the initial program was called uh, Scanate, S C A N A T E, which means scan by coordinate. Yeah. Which which is what they actually do. So um, they put a group of, of guys together, and one of them was um, probably the most famous, and probably the most gifted of, of the group 
was a guy named Ingo Swan. Yeah. Uh, did you did you encounter some? You'll he's some information he, about him. He is an he's a name that uh, if you do a lot of exploring into um, Stargate Project, you you will find a lot of names such as Ego Swan and. Uh, uh, Yuri Geller is another name that will come up in doing in doing research for this. I hope I didn't like uh, you know uh, steal any of your Thunderwald. No, no, that's fine. Uh, there's actually another guy named Harold Puthoff who um, was kind of like his partner. So the the significance of, of Ingo Swan is that he he um, really developed the tenets for being able to be an effective remote viewer, or or at least somebody who could um, gain some success using his process. Um, and um, it really is a set of things that you have to learn. And it's funny, a number of the, um, the people who discussed this, and most of them were members of Stargate at one time. Yeah. One of the guys was a guy named Lynn Buchanan. I, I sent you a, a YouTube yes, video. Yes, that's in our um, show page. On him. Is it on there? Good, because that's, yep. that's he, he seems pretty legitimate. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was in the military, and he, uh, I mean, not, not, that itself doesn't make him legitimate, but um, he, he did seem to have a lot of experience with this particular project. And and he really um, defined it in the, in this video, and, and the listeners can can view this if they want, as as really being very similar to martial arts. Yeah. Um, in that it's a discipline, and if you know anything about martial arts, which if if Jim was here, he could fill us yeah fill us in on it because he's a master martial artist in with, in many of the disciplines. Uh, but it's 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 about repetition. It's about doing the same thing over and over and over again until it becomes muscle memory and you just do it really without intellectualizing it. And um, so I heard several guys liken remote viewing to that type of a process. So so what you have to do is you have to learn these processes in order to do this. Yep. And there are there are, oddly enough, there are actually classes where you can learn that, um, which I actually would kind of like to try it because yeah. it sounds really interesting. I don't know how much it costs or, or whatever, but um, there's a guy named Paul Smith who was, um, I believe he was involved with Stargate as well. He was in the military. He actually teaches classes in Utah. So um, I don't know that there's any like remote, <laughs> remote, remote viewing classes where you could do on the computer. Or <laughs> there should be, though. <laughs> well, there should be. It stands to reason, but... Um, he he does a five day uh, class where he where it's very intense. Very he, you know he does lectures and then you go into practice. So um, from what I've learned or what I've gleaned, I guess from reading about and, and listening to some of these people, um, is that it's it's a process that you go through and what you're really doing is you're opening yourself up. You're opening your mind up to uh, being able to receive messages from um, from a f- from another source yeah from from a source beyond the three-dimensional source that we think of as being our reality uh, what, what what did you come across Derek did you, uh, did you did you get into any of the nuts and bolts of the of what's going on the whole nuts and bolts of it was sort of like back in the early 70s I think it was 1972 um, mm-hmm. and the thing yes. is, is that uh, 
Because the thing is, that there's, a, there's a lot of dates that are sort of like, it's like it officially, quote, officially, as a, as a secret U.S. Army unit was established in 1978 at Ford Meade, Maryland. And it was a part of the Defense Intelligence Agency. Uh, and the, the, the whole thing is, is that, well, we know the Russians are playing with something like this. So I think that maybe we should do the same thing as well. And it's sort of funny, whereas uh, the, the project was a, officially began in 1978. But the thing is, is that if you look into remote viewing, there are other projects that go back even further in the 60s and 50s, further back mm-hmm. you go. And it, it, it's sort of like you're, if you start to like look into this and you start looking into a lot of these these programs and stuff like that, you really sort of like go off the deep end because the whole idea is like they're somewhere in the government within whether it was DARPA or uh, under Alan Dulles, I'm really not sure where it really began. But the, the, there was the notion of if indeed we can use psyops against other people, this could be another branch of the military, not unlike Space Force. And the whole notion of, of indoctrinating and recruiting um, psychics into the government and you know, weaponizing people's thoughts about them weaponizing people's personal thoughts and using what they think or what they know or what they feel their secret most intimate thoughts should be terrifying to everybody i mean imagine a government agency walking down the road and just like looking people in the eye and stuff like that and uh seeing whether or not they're secret soviet agents or whether or not they have um weird thoughts or ideas and stuff like that and well, well, there, well, there's also a defense component too. Well, um, not yeah. to interrupt you, but they 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 were hoping that they could prevent because they they believed that the Russians were actually psychically um, being able to learn where all of our missiles were and and you know perhaps being able to have some control over over those kind of things psychically so you know that was part of it too it was it was while it was sort of looked at as you know an off, there was an offensive component yeah um where they could direct the energy toward the enemy but also a defensive component where they could you know kind of fend off these these kinds of assaults right um so you know i i don't know anyway go ahead and the, kind of the, but the, the justification for all of this was the Manhattan Project, of all things. Because the thing is, is that in the 1920s and 30s, the idea of harnessing the power of the atom to as a weapon and unleashing the power locked away in atoms, was, it was science fiction. It was, and it was really far out there. It was very mm-hmm. far-fetched to the common people. And they, the, 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 the thinking before Stargate was, if, if this crazy thing about harnessing the power of the atom turned out to be a reality then all of these stories and fantasy scenarios about people using the power of their mind to bend spoons or to jingle keys from across the room without touching them or getting glimpses into the future reading other people's mind well that might also be true as well and why don't we why don't we just see why don't we just 
you know, pour money into this. And um, what do you say to that? What do you, because the thing is, is that, well, wait a minute. Now, if this thing is true, if this thing about splitting the atom is true, then what else is true? What else can we get? Yeah, it, it opened up a whole, a whole door, a whole new door, you know, of um, things that people probably didn't think were even possible. Um, I mean, psychic ability goes back a long way. Yeah. But it, it was always in the realm of the, uh, you know, the hard to define what it was or how it happened or. Is it a hoax? It was, it, it, or is it a hoax, right? There was some kind of a parlor trick. Um, and, and in some cases, I think it was like when they had seances and things like that back in the 1800s, which was very popular back then. Um, but this whole thing kind of brought it into a more definitive realm, a more defined realm. Um, and, and I think one of the biggest things that I came away from this with is that they really identified the fact that most people, given the right set of circumstances and skills, um, do have some degree of psychic ability. Um, and, and they can access that if, if they have the means to do that, if they have the, the processes or if they're taught the processes to do that, which, which I think is pretty, um, pretty astounding when you think about it. I, I, I came away from this whole topic with that concept that, you know, we all really have this ability. It's just that I think people who are defined as psychics or having psychic ability have some vehicle at their disposal that most people don't have to, to that degree, except that everybody seems to be able to do it, which is every one of these guys almost to the person said, yes, we can teach almost anybody to be a remote, to be a controlled remote viewer. Um, the only thing they have to do, you know, the biggest tenet that they have to get past is they have to believe that they can do it. They have to believe that it's within their, you know, their abilities, their, their ability range. So, so if you can't do it, is it because of you not having enough belief in yourself? Is that what it that's, is? That's what it seems like. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Now, I'm not saying everybody can do it with, with you know, a huge degree of accuracy. You know, there's some people that only might be able to do, like, find one out of ten targets or, or something like that. But then there's other people who are up in the 80 or 90 percent range. And maybe those people do have some more of a some more of a psychic connection. And, and I hate to hate to use the word ability because I don't really think that's what it is. It's not like a talent, um, although although that may be part of it. I, I don't know. It's not like some people can some people can throw a baseball 90 miles an hour and other people can barely get it you know, to go to the to the plate to the catcher. So, you know, that's a talent. That's something you either kind of have that or you don't. And that may be yeah. that may be true of, of this topic as well. Um, although everybody can throw a baseball, right? I mean, to some degree or another. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so maybe everybody can, given the right um, instructions and the right way of doing it, can be a remote viewer to some degree. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about what it really is, because it's really kind of a realm of things where people were sort of like, well, yeah, maybe I heard of that, but I don't even know how that could possibly work. Um, so from, from what I understand from listening to these, these people that teach it yeah. is what they do is, is they, first of all, teach people to clear their mind, uh, much like you do with meditation, yes. think, because all of the chatter that you have in your mind on a daily basis, you know, you're thinking about what you need to get at the grocery store and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's, you know, a hundred things a day that you that interfere with, um, any kind of calming of your mind, I guess. 
and I think it has to do with changing the um, the vibrations of your yeah. brain, the, 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 you know, the, the the waves that are being generated. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so so what the people are are taught to do is to first of all calm their mind. They sit in a darkened room or a shack or something like that, which is what all of these guys that started this Stargate yeah. program were taught to do. And it's it's a blind. It's 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 a blind. So what they have to do is they have to they're given um, an envelope that has something in it. They don't know what it is. They have no idea what it is. Um, it could be a picture of um, the inside of Eric Fisk's house. Right. Um, which, which probably has a lot of confusion attached to it, I would imagine. <laughs> why do, <laughs> just, why, just, why just, do you I'm say that? Why do you say that? <laughs> um, so what they do is they, they you know they they try to come up with a vision of what's in the envelope they have no idea what's in there it could be anything yeah. could be anywhere um, so they start to get impressions hopefully yeah and they they either draw the impressions they write them down um, or or um, make create a record of it in some in some shape or form and these impressions could be they're not just visual yeah. although that's a big part of it there's there's all kinds of sensory impressions. There's smells. Um, there's feelings. You know, how do you feel? Um, what do you see? What what colors do you see? That kind of thing. So so they create um, a profile in a sense, I guess you can say, and they put it down. And and then once they're done, however long that takes, I guess it's kind of an unlimited time frame. They um, are shown what's in the envelope, and, yeah. and they're either close or or they're not. And remarkably, many times, um, the people are very close to what's in the envelope. Uh, pe- people that have more experience with it, and, and all of these guys say that more you do it, the better you get. So you have to keep trying and trying and trying and not get um, dissuaded by the lack of success or minimal success. And just keep working on it. Just keep working on it until you, your success rate starts to go up. So it's not for the people that want to just sit down and be a remote viewer and automatically be able to do, do it with 90% accuracy. That's probably not going to happen for even people that are, you know, that have somewhat, somewhat of an innate ability. So um, then people that are that are better at it, that have defined the ability even more, that what they do is they put a set of coordinates, very definitive coordinates, earth coordinates into the envelope, and they're asked to create a, a picture of wherever that might be. Um, so it could be, you know, somewhere in San Francisco, it could be somewhere in Russia, it just depends, you know, and then they compare the imagery that these people come up with with the coordinates that they were given i mean the people who create the the coordinates know what it is so uh, that's basically what happens and and oddly enough people have become very successful with this have some some really astounding results with this kind of thing uh, so, you know, is that your understanding of what basically what is going on here? That is, in a nutshell, basically what's going on. And the thing is, mm-hmm. is that do we do are we sticking just to the remote viewing that that happened on terra firma or or are we are we because the thing is, I mean, I can't help but laugh because it do, it sounds mm-hmm. it sounds crazy because the thing is, is that the the remote viewing that they try to do was not just limited to planet Earth. Oh, no, nor is it limited to the here and now. There's no there's no time um, constraint. Yeah, you could you can um, re- remote view the past apparently just as easily as the present, um, and even the future. Although the future is a little more problematic because it's not 
um, completely set. So so there's fluctuations in it. Although I think pieces of it are. I think there's fluctuations within the um, within the whole picture. And it, and it all exists in this um, field that is what these people are really doing. They're really transmitting out information from this field through themselves and and creating an image imagery through that. So um, no, it's not it's not defined to to the earth. There's people who have say they have remote viewed the moon and Mars and and who knows how far out into there's there's apparently no limit to it because there's no limit to that to the field that's being accessed. Do you want to talk about some of the successes that they've also had or um... Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we talked a little bit. I think it was on the last show. We talked about Ingo Swan. Yeah. Um, as a as the a last kind segment. of a test yeah. In the last segment. To, to yes. remote, yeah, to remote view the uh, the solar system. Yeah. And he actually recorded what he saw, what he re- what he remote viewed. Yeah. And he he identified that there were rings on Jupiter. Right. Before anybody knew about it. Yeah. No, no astronomers. Nobody else knew about it. But then when the um, what was this? I always lose the name of this. One of the Voyager probes. You're good with this. Yep. What was it? It was it was either Voyager one or Voyager two. Yes, they confirmed it when, they, when it went by Jupiter. They confirmed it. They yeah. They recorded that there were rings. So, how, how do you account for that? You know, other than the fact that he saw it somehow. There's no real yeah. No real explanation for it. Yeah. I mean, hey, I mean, it could have made it up, I guess, but. Yeah, that of all the things you could make up, that's that's pretty far out, I think. You know? Yeah, so. I, I and I do think that it is it's very unusual that they actually took the time to also sort of um, try and remote view. And this is this is this gets really con- very convoluted. Mm-hmm. Talking about remote viewing the um, the area on Mars known as Sidonia, uh, with the the Martian Sphinx, the Martian Pyramid, the face on Mars. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who would like to believe that there was an ancient civilization on Mars, we really want to believe this. We really want to believe that they actually had somebody who was a remote viewer, saw what was going on on Mars, either in the past or present. And that some of the uh, some of the things that they had sort of remote viewed was sort of like we hear hear these um, pictures from the Mariner probe, and we there is strange. Can you can you focus on this and tell us what's there? And they actually sort of did some, and I put this in quotations, research in this using remote viewing. And it, it's sort of it's it's kind of terrifying and scary that that they actually had said that there's there's this underneath the pyramids and there's this underneath the the, the Martian Sphinx or the face on Mars, and it was um, sort of led to a lot of us sort of like who, like I said, would like to believe that there was an ancient civilization on Mars, really sort of like a glom onto this. Now, what did you find out when they were talking about uh, the remote viewing of? Of Sidonia, did you? Well, did you find on, any of that? No, only that um, they have the ability to go back and access what apparently was a civilization on one time at one time yeah. on Mars, and um, it was destroyed or it came to an end somehow. And yeah. and actually, um, part of the ancient civilization that we talk about on Earth was now uh, was part of that civilization yeah. at one time. Um, it's the same thing with the moon. 
Yeah, the, the moon was a was a base of some kind at some point, and there was a lot of activity there, extraterrestrial activity yeah. that these um, remote viewers have witnessed because they can go, you know, pretty much as far back into the past yeah. as, as as you can, you know, whatever the however far back the past goes, we we really don't know millions, maybe even billions of years. Uh, so there appears to be some legitimacy in that. If you do a Google search of remote viewing Mars, mm -hmm. you will get around <laughs> 33 million results. Really? Yeah. And the thing is that it was like a lot I mean, of stuff a, out there. A lot. Of, I mean, the thing is, is after page two or three, you get to see like a lot of pages linking back to the to, to other ones and whatnot. But there there is there's a lot of documentation out there. There are I mean, there are so many videos that talk about specifically what remote viewers found on Mars and uh, a lot of what these remote viewers said they saw matches up with sort of like some of the detailed photographs that the, that our probes have taken of Mars um, as far as like the layout and whatever. And I think that what's very sort of strange is like the anatomy of the beings that used to live there. Um, and I have to catch myself. I have to stop myself and pinch myself and say, yeah, this, this, is, this is something that we're really actually talking about with some kind of legitimacy. Whereas, like, I mean, it is amazing but true stuff, and the the the, uh, the notion that the the CIA of all people, out of all the organizations in the continental United States, it was the CIA who had allegedly had this project up and running, mm -hmm. and it was just well, like, they they saw some value in it. They 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 didn't see it as well, you know. And there was a lot. There was a there was a period of time where they had to be convinced. Of, of its legitimacy they they had the same skepticism as i guess probably everybody does when they first found out about it and they went through a lot of trials um where it you know it really didn't produce much and then like you know those other guys said the more you do it the better you get at it and it started producing some things that were difficult to argue with in terms of results yeah um that's when they that's when i think they really uh, started putting some some money and some serious intent into it uh, did did you i want to ask you I, I think you told me that you saw the film the men who stare at goats. Yes, great film. Laugh out. I, I didn't. I did not see it, so I, I I'm going to rely on you to, to to um, recount what. I, it, it's not, it, I have to be honest with you. At the time, it seemed just kind of stupid, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. But now that I've been looking into this topic, I'm starting to think. Well, maybe that had something that I didn't see at the time. So, so what can you can you give us a thumbnail of that, well, of that uh, movie? I know I'm putting you on the spot. But. Yeah, just go to Internet Movie Database, like I'm doing right now. Internet Movie Database, Internet Movie Database. Come on, Eric. Yeah, well, um, George Clooney's in that. Yeah, right? and Ewan McGregor, and um, oh, uh, Cooper. What's his What's his What's his name? Let's see, men who Brad Bradley Cooper who stare at goats. I think they should have come up with a better title. The title no, because when you see the movie, you don't understand. No, I, why. I understand that, but I just to me the title just in itself kind of put me off. So, 
So I didn't take it any personally. I didn't go any further with it because I thought the title seemed stupid. But anyway, so looking at so the thing is is that uh, looking here, I'm going to read. Uh, a reporter in Iraq may have the story of a lifetime when he meets Lynn Cassidy, a guy who claims to be a former member of the U.S. Army's New Earth Army, a unit that employs paranormal powers in their missions. And I mean, the movie fo- the movie poster is a laugh out loud funny. You have these four guys and a goat just like staring forward. Um, and you, re- you, you read off the list of names here. George Clooney, uh, Ewan McGregor, Jeff Bridges, uh, Kevin Spacey, Stephen Lang. By the way, Stephen Lang, everything that he touches turns to gold. Robert Patrick. And these guys who are like these, like they're serious actors. And they sort of play this movie straight. There are some really laugh out loud funny moments in this movie. But there is this sort of like it does um, wade into some very dark aspects of, of, of human nature. Looking into the notion of you can look into somebody's soul, essentially, and divine their their secret, most deepest, darkest thoughts. And to have people who go into an interrogation room and read people's minds. And I'm, I'm just wondering, it's like, does it work if they speak another language? You know, it's like, it could, if somebody was a remote viewer um, who grew up speaking English, can he divine what somebody is thinking if they speak another language like Arabic or Farsi or something like that? I've always wondered about that, but that's mm. besides the point. And the thing is, is that it starts off as a comedy, but as the movie progresses, it does get into some very sort of dark territory, whereas it's like, Interesting. first of all, is this a giant waste of money? Do you just have these goofy stoners who like to blaze up smoking some herb and try and look into people's souls? And it was like, I mean, are there are there drugs involved? Are, are we talking about are these people hallucinating when they look into other people's souls? It's kind of terrifying. It's kind of scary. Um, and it was just like, how, how real is this? And what, and the thing is, is it, I mean, again, I will reiterate this and I know that this sounds crazy. The CIA took this seriously enough to spend a lot of money doing this research. Mm -hmm. If now there's, there's two lines of thought here. If they took this so seriously, if they looked at, if they looked at this seriously, is it, is it that they wasted this money into this territory that is coming? It's come on. I mean, you have to admit. Walt that it does sound crazy oh yeah or or is this was this a a a black ops project and this is just the cover Mm -hmm. you know were they doing something else and the thing is is it would I because you can be like going down this road looking at uh project stargate or stargate project and you just keep looking at all of these um all of these links and then it takes you down then it takes you down this other dark road it takes you back down mk ultra avenue whereas you're looking at now we're getting into not just reading minds and bending spoons now we're talking when you go down the mk ultra path now you're talking about mind control being that's able another to, whole that's another whole topic that's another whole show <laughs> that's, that's that, another yeah, that, that that's probably another show um and i agree that the two were sort of connected and that's where i think that i think they were connected after world war ii yeah. and then they sort of diverged 
um, and the, and the Russians went into the psychic realm, and the and I think, and I'm not saying the, the Russians didn't do it either, but the the United States got into more of the using hypnosis to create um, Manchurian candidates and things yeah. like that. But that's another whole show for another day. Um, but I do agree that the two are sort of parallel for a time and then they kind of branch off. Yeah. But, um, so my big question is why were they staring at the goat? That's Oh, the goat, because the thing do? is, is that they were trying to see if they could use mind powers to kill. To get- if you just like, look at somebody, can you use your oh, okay. psychic? Oh, they were trying to, um, use it to, to, um, affect the goat's. Um, metabolism or something? Could could I just look into your eyes and make your heart stop like that? Mm. Could I, you know, and there was... How'd they make out with that? Apparently, somebody was able to do it at least once. It's in the the trailer. And it was just like, I mean... Well, I had a a goat at one time, so I I can understand the sentiment. uh, What is it about goats? (laughs) They're just very aggravating creatures. I don't don't want to go into my goat stories, but they're they're very aggravating creatures. Um, Funny that one of the guys uh, that I sent you the uh, YouTube video of yeah. Lynn Buchanan yes um, he was one of the he says anyway he was one of the characters in yep. that yep. movie I mean he was based on his yes his time with Stargate so one of the guys name was Lynn right I think yes I, I believe so I that off yes I think yep. Lynn Cassidy good. is played by George Clooney okay well that he said that he's saying anyway that that character was based on him yeah that may be. Um, so, you know, one of the interesting things that he said, too, as well, was that he said that he was he was uh, charged with trying to remote view aliens yeah. um, or ETs. And he he, he um, remote viewed a portal yeah. that's that's on Australia. And apparently it's where the ETs come and go. Yeah. Um, it's inside a mountain, actually. So he says. And and he said when he went, he, he was able, actually able to, and this is, this is a, I think, a fairly rare phenomenon, even for really good um, remote viewers. He was able to bilocate. And, and what that means is that his presence of, of remote viewing was, was known by the alien. Yeah. And and he the alien actually turned and looked at him um, and said, we know you're here or I know you're here. Yeah. Something like that. I, I found that to be very, very intriguing. And he actually drew a, a picture of, of what the alien looked like. I, I wasn't able to pull that up anywhere, but it might be out there. Somewhere. That's kind of, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. So yeah. so apparently if you get really, really good at this, you can actually interact. And in, it's not just a matter of you, you know, your consciousness. Yeah going into that situation sort of invisibly yeah but and maybe it is visible but there's there's some way to interact with um the situation which i think opens up (laughs) untold possibilities you know yeah what what if what if you could go back and and you probably couldn't impact history in any way but what if you could go back and interact with I don't know, say Lincoln or something. Right. Know, and, and ask 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 him a question about something and and see what the answer is. You, yeah. you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. I, I just think that that's got amazing possibilities. If in fact it's it's true, it's a real thing. So yeah, um, it's certainly interesting to think about though. Um, yeah. So so it kind of begs the question: How does this actually work? What's what's the what's the science what's the science behind this? And and is there science behind this? 
Um, well, that gets back to the entire question of how could the CIA justify this? How do you go to Congress and say, we have this idea for a project. It's called Stargate Project or Project Stargate. And we're going to use psychics to do these things, remote view, look and see what's going on Mars, see if we can, you know, get people to use mind control to make things fly across the room or uh, read other people's minds, maybe even influence other people's minds, uh, make things fly across the room. And it was just like, I'm sure that there was a congressman, maybe even it was like, you know, John McCain, who had said, you're trying to make Jedi Knights, aren't you? <laughs> you know, you're trying. You're well, trying. To you see- know, it's a legitimate question. You know, I, mean, really, about I mean, they put twenty million dollars into it over the, that we know of twenty years. Well, that we know of. Yeah. That we know of. And that's a, that's a pretty good chunk of change. You know, that's a million bucks a year. That's it went on for twenty years. So it, it I, I guess it wrapped up in the early nineties. Yeah, I think it. I think it was. More, I think it was more than that. The idea that they only spent. If, if it if it indeed did wrap up, I'm, that's what they're saying. I I mean, you got you actually have to stop and think that's like they that's you know that little amount of money in how many years? I I think that I think it was probably closer to twenty one million dollars a year. Well, we don't know that, but no, uh, I'm, I'm one of the I, one of the guys, one of the remote viewers said that one of the reasons why it kept going was because it was relatively expensive i mean you basically had these guys that showed up for work every day um at an army base or somewhere and went into these little shacks and just review saw whatever they saw you know they just opened up their mind to it so um well you know the thing that i think is most interesting about it is they're they're they are beginning to understand the science of of this whole thing and um i think this is a good time to bring up the fact that uh we we have a potential guest coming on. Yep. Uh, should I mention his name? Yeah, go or, ahead. Or go ahead. Absolutely. He's he's agreed to um, to come on the show. So it's just a matter of working out the logistics of it. Um, he's he's kind of a youngish guy. I guess he's in his forties, and um, he's he's a very legitimate scientist. Yeah. Um, he's got a doctorate in um, in um, cellular. I think it's molecular biology. Yeah. And he's also done a ton of work in, in genetics. So he, he's got a lot of science um, background and he takes a scientific approach to everything. However, he has moved into sort of a transitional field of, of and determining how science um, sort of interacts with spirituality. And and that's going to be the um, that's going to be the basis I think for the for the show the interview yeah. that we do with him. His name is William Brown, and I saw yeah. Yeah. I saw an interview with him with on uh, Gaia with Regina Meredith, and I and and he just blew me away. Just yeah. blew me away because he's not some guy that's saying, well, this is what I think it is, and blah. he's he's actually using science to um, justify his his theories that he has on on how the human and and he very much. Um, agrees with the theory that the Anunnaki um, ring the bell air. There you go. Um, engineered, genetically engineered us, and and that's the reason why our our genetics are as um, limited as they are because they did it intentionally to keep us from being able to um, do things like this. And and that's one of the things um, that he points to is that if we can unlock that genetic. Um, Stricture, we would we would be able to do this much easier than yeah. even, even just at will, maybe. 
being able to do things like this. And um, so, you know, he he's he he gets down to talk and I don't want to get too far into his message, but it's 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 an amazing thing. Uh, and I, and when I emailed you about him, I, I actually and I, I didn't say this lately. I I really believe he could be a new prophet or avatar. Yeah. Because what he's doing is he's justifying the fact that there is credible evidence of some other realm other than the three D three dimensions that we yeah. are seemingly locked into. Um, he he calls that the. Um, Morpho- morphogenetic field, which which is what he believes we intera- we can interact with on a, yep. on a on a genetic level, which is pretty damn interesting stuff when when you start thinking about it. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to get too far into what he's talking about because yeah, we, we don't want to spoil him. we don't want to spoil the future show. Yeah, but I want to kind of wet people's interest for when uh, and I'm thinking we're going to get him relatively soon. Yeah. If not maybe the next show, hopefully. But any, at any time some sometime into the in the near future. I'll, I'll remote view when we when we get done with this yeah, and I'll yeah. determine when when he's going to be on the show. Um so anyway, uh, I think I think he'll be a great guest. I, I just can't wait to, to talk to him. Yeah, he's got so many theories that really resonate with a lot of the things that I've thought that I had real no real clue for, you know, or, or how to position it or, or whatever. There were some aspects of some things that he had said that I thought was very interesting, talking about how um, some, was it you who had said that there's something about our DNA that is like holographic or. Yes, defies well, defies came from him. But. Defies explanation. Well, he he um, again. I don't want to get too far into his theories, but he believes that the, the the when the Anunnaki genetically engineered us, they they limited our DNA to two strands. However, there are ten more strands that we we have no access to at this point, and and some of them are not even physical. They're they're more. Um, Metaphysical, I guess. Yay! There you go. Great name for a podcast. It is. It is. Um, And so, what we need to do as a species is to energize those strands so that they become active. Right now, they're not active, or they may be active in some people. You know, maybe that's what maybe that's what defines a um, what seems to be a natural psychic, as opposed to somebody who can sort of learn to be a psychic in some some sense. Maybe that's the difference. I, I don't know. It makes sense. Yeah. In some way. We can ask him that when we, I've got about a million questions already for him. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to talk to him about remote viewing too, what he, what he thinks of that, you know, and uh, he talks about a lot of spirituality. I mean, um, you know, and he's been a professor at, at some, he, he went to NYU, uh, which is not a lightweight university. And I think he got his master's from there and I don't know where he got his doctorate from, but, you know, so he's pretty, he was pretty well steeped in academia at some point. And I think he's now working for a private research group or something. But um, so anyway, I'm, I'm hoping to to be able to really, he seems like a really nice guy and he's got a very positive message. That's, that's, that's what I really liked about him for for the destiny of the human race. I think that that's really sort of important for us to sort of talk about and address since, I mean, we're really sort of living in some very negative, very dark times right now. And I think that yeah. we do need yeah. some yeah. kind of a message that is... Well, and he talks about that. He addresses that and, and why that is and, and where we're going and what things we can do individually to to um, sort of get through that stage. It's kind of a stage, I think, that we have to get through in order to move up to a, to a new level of 
ascension or, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. But, so, um, yeah, a lot of, got a, his name is William Brown. Yeah. Um, he's got kind of a run-of-the-mill name, but yep. he's not not by any means a run-of-the-mill kind of guy. Um, another resource, too, is it's called The Field yeah. um, by Lynn McTaggart. Um, and, and she's written a very, very scholarly book about um, pretty much exactly what William Brown is talking about, that there's, yeah. there's a field. Uh, she does not call it morphogenetic. She, I think she has another term for it. Uh, but I think it's all the same thing. It's, it's an energy field yeah. that um, is like another level of existence kind of. Yeah. Maybe not even existence. I'm not even sure what right the way to the way to define it. But um, it's it's it, I think exactly the same thing as as what uh, William Brown's talking about. Yeah. And it's also what I think accounts for this phenomenon. Yeah. Of, um, of being able to view things from you know from great distances apparently. Yeah. Somebody as uh, a lightweight such as Arthur C. Clarke weighed in the book. Uh, <laughs> I'm being facetious, of course. Yeah. Um, and he said his quote was this: "This most important book stretches our imagination. We are on the verge of another revolution in our understanding of the universe." Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably a pretty good credit to have if Arthur C. Clarke is saying that. Yeah. I I I mean the things that he had written about is I I mean mind bending. A lot of things that we take for granted, like the internet, he's like, uh, in, you know, in desktop computers and ubiquitous yeah, he was, technology. He was way ahead of his time. He was, way, he was one of the people who had actually talked about the, 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 the social and moral implications of artificial intelligence. Open the pod bay door, Hal. Um, and it was just like for these people to take this. And yeah, I know he's a science fiction writer. Of course, he's going to take some of this ser- more seriously than others. But um, you know, we're going to have a couple of links to um, uh, Dr. William Brown's work, um, some of the things that he had talked about, um, you know, on the show page. And this is, you know, you, you know, Eric, get, get, not to interrupt, but getting, but if I don't want to lose this point, getting back to Arthur C. Clarke, and you, you know, you said, well, he was a science fiction writer, yes, but you know, I, I kind of hearkened back to um, when when we talked about how artists are able to download yeah. um, um, different songs and, you know, artistic creations and things like that. Right. Um, I, I have to wonder if this is not the same thing. You know, are, are artists in some way set up through genetics or, or whatever, whatever you want to classify it right. as, I don't know. And, and do they have, have the ability to get into this field and download whatever this material is? Like the, maybe maybe yeah. somebody like Arthur C. Clarke had the ability to do that. Maybe he was a remote viewer in some sense and was able to put that into a, into a story. You know, you obviously you have to be a good writer to be able to pull it off and make it a, a readable story and put it in human terms. But where does the idea the thing? Is this something that just pops into somebody's mind? Or are they able to somehow get into this field and, and access um, these stories that maybe they are all there, you know? Like there's the creative spend. unconscious. Like there's the concept of the creative unconscious or the collective yeah, unconscious. I think it's the same thing. I, I think it's one and the same. Yeah. I think the morphogenetic field or the creative unconscious or, or whatever you want to call it um, is one and the same. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a... Um, an energy field, I guess, yeah. is, is the best way I can put it in my limited terms. But 
Um, and you can either, uh, and, and I think step one is believing that that exists. Yeah. You know, I know, I know Stephen King has said that, you know, he only writes down the things that he believes exists on some other plane or something. Yeah. And it, or, you know, he's, he's a good writer. He's a good storyteller. So he puts it into a story. But he's come up with so many really creative ideas about, um, you know, that his books are based on. Yeah. You have to wonder, how did one person get so much material? You know, I mean, he's got, I don't know how many books now about yeah. it. And some are better than others, obviously. But um, so I have to wonder how that how that plays out, you know, or, or maybe these people getting or, or privileged to some information that um, because they have access to that to this field where all this stuff is kind of just is is there maybe, maybe it's yeah. a genetic connection um, maybe it's a just just for some reason some reason or another a little more of their DNA is has been activated or or what we can get into some of that with William Brown I think he's probably got some some theories on that which are probably more based on more you know and a lot of the a lot of the interviews I saw with him were fairly old they were. Yeah. Like maybe four years old. So he's probably gotten some new material yeah. now that should be exciting. And if you're going to talk about Stephen King and this topic, you also have to talk mm -hmm. about the book, not so much the movie, but the book Firestarter. Because mm -hmm. the thing is, is that the, 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 the MacGuffin in Firestarter is a, a girl who was able to create firestorms or set things on fire with just a mere thought. Jack her uh, thoughts as a, you know, as a, as a flame, like a, like a, like a psychic flamethrower. Exactly. And the thing is, is that the entire notion of the idea that there's a government project out there somewhere weaponizing psychic abilities and that and there that was the whole storyline. Yeah. I'm trying to get, get a hold of her and, and getting to her to, or being able to define her ability and yeah. how it works and that kind of thing. And of yeah. course, obviously you read the story or the book Firestarter. Mm -hmm. So, and, and how does it end? I mean, it doesn't, I don't think it ends well. But. Yeah. Well, it ends like probably how it usually ends. <laughs> the government wins, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's a great idea. A great idea. Where did he get it from? I don't, I don't you know, he, he probably downloaded it from somewhere. Or know. somebody talk, had maybe said. Maybe we're talking about the same thing. Or maybe somebody had said, hey, listen, there's a secret government program out there called a Stargate Project, and this is what we're working on. <laughs> there's, there's that. Who knows? Who knows? You know? Yeah. Hard to say. Without actually asking him directly, it's hard to hard to know. Yeah, you know, and and, and he said over and over and over again, people. He's he's tired of answering the question, "Where do you get your ideas from?" You know, because he probably has no real answer to it. Yeah, you know, I mean, in in, in definitive terms, anyway, he probably has some sense that, um, you know, if you read his book on writing, he pretty clearly states it. You know, he's like, an, he, he, he calls it like being an archaeologist that's kind of uncovering things that are already yeah. there. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought pattern, though, that, that that's, that was Grant Cameron that we, we discussed that with. And I'm, I don't know that he um, <clears throat> saw it in that light. I think he did, though, in some sense. Yeah. I think he, he was viewing it that way, not necessarily in the sense of of, of the con the context of remote viewing, but um, it's I think it's really kind of one of the same thing. Yeah, actually, I think also one of the things that we need to sort of say that this is episode this is episode ninety, Walt. This is episode nice. ninety. So did if you not go, realize that. if you go to metaphysicalpodcast dot com and go to the, yeah that's our show page, click on episode ninety. 
And one of the things that I think is very startling is that we have a link to uh, the CIA homepage for Stargate. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are going to be able to go through some of the documents. Uh, And I got to be careful because I got into a little trouble the first time I mentioned this. WikiLeaks also has some interesting things on Stargate. I'm not telling you to go to WikiLeaks and do a search on Stargate, but that would be a very interesting place for somebody to start if they want to do their own research and get back to us and tell us what they Well, I, I think the way to position it, Eric, as always, is we open up the door for people. Yeah. You know, and, and they can go through the door or they can say, you know what, that's not a door I want to go through. I right. don't believe it. I don't think it's anything, you know, but, you know, a lot of the stuff that the CIA downloaded or you know, released um, really substantiates this program and the validity of it. So that that would be a really good place to start because they're not denying it. They're not saying, oh, we didn't, you know, we wouldn't do something like that. They're putting it out there for people yeah. to access. So, you know, in some ways I, I have to commend them for that and um, say, look, they, they're coming clean on where this money was spent or at least some of it. Anyway. Yeah, some of it, yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, I think the big thing that I came away from this with, and it's what I really like about it, is that it it opens up the door to people, just average kind of ordinary people who don't see themselves as anything kind of special in terms of psychic ability or anything like, like that, being able to really think of themselves as having some level of psychic ability and maybe being able to access this field in, yeah. in some shape or form, you know, even if it's in a very simple way. Um who knows what the implications of that are? There's many, um, and I and I hope when we when, if we do get to interview William Brown, he'll he'll open some of those things up to us. In terms of um, you know, there's a whole lot of things, you know, um, you know when people pray, does 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 that give them access to this field? Is that part of what's going on? You know, there's people who you know, I and personally, I've always kind of diminished prayers yeah. as being something that people just kind of do to make themselves feel good, but Maybe that's not true. Maybe there is something to it. Maybe you know? you're tapping into something that... That's what I'm saying. You yeah. Know? That's that's what I'm saying. Um, and maybe that's what, you know, all of the spiritual masters, the yogis and, and these you know, Buddhist uh, people that have been talking about this for, you know, centuries, this is what they're talking about, I think. <laughs> this is This is what they're talking about, getting your physicality into a position to be able to access this yeah. this field. I think that's what they're doing. So, you know, I think what they're saying is that you can access it, but you have to go through these stages of discipline, yeah. you know, to, to get there. And um, <clears throat> that's a daunting task for a lot of people, you know, to, to um, go through those those levels that you have to go to, yeah. to become a spiritual master. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not sure, so sure that that's not what Christ was talking about. Right. A lot of his teachings. So, I don't know. I just think it opens up a whole whole new vista yeah. of of thinking, you know, about um, what we how we perce- how we perceive our existence and and what maybe more there is out there um, in a good way, in a good sense. Yeah, and I, and the thing is, is that this is like this is a topic that you think, okay, well, we're just going to do two hours on this, and then we're going to be able to move on to something else. And then what usually happens is that we talk about this, and it leads to something else. Mm-hmm. It always does. Yeah. Well, the, one of the topics we talked about previously led to led to remote this. viewing, and yeah, and, uh, it's. 
it's a, I think it's a very interesting and um, important topic that I think a lot of people kind of look at and say, oh, that's, yeah, I don't know what that is. Whether it was in the actual <laughs> show itself or some of the pre-show, post-show banter, we were talking about how a revo- remote viewer was able to look back and see what was going on with John F. Kennedy Jr. the night that he was killed. Um, I think that's where this show had sort of come from. The, the question that I have for our listeners is that what do you think of the topic of A, remote viewing in and of itself, standalone, and B, what do you think of the government, including an agency like the CIA, using remote viewing? Get back to us. Go to our group page on Facebook or jam us off a tweet. You could actually, if you, if you, uh, you could either tweet to us at uh, Fedora Chronicle on, on Twitter, or you can go to our Twitter for the Metaphysical Connection. Just do a search of Metaphysical Connection, or just go to Physical Laxative, which is, uh, <laughs> I, I get a laugh out of that, because, you know, Walt and I, <laughs> Walt and I are not taking ourselves too seriously with this. So, but just go and just do a search for uh, Metaphysical Connection on uh, on Twitter. Find us at Physical Laxative. And, uh, and if you can't go, that should help you out. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us what you think. Tell us, do you, th- do you think the government is still trying to weaponize psychic abilities? Well, you know, even, even if that's true, Eric, and, and I, I, I'll give you credit for, you know, putting that out there. I, I do think what it did was it opened this topic up as something more than just, um, you know, some kind of a whimsical thing that people didn't give a lot of credibility right. to. You know, I, I think that's the most important thing to come away with. Um, and and in fact, you know, uh, the, the funny thing is, I'm wondering, since this kind of all started in Russia, sort of, well, it started in Nazi Germany, yeah. of course, but carried over to Russia, and then that's what kind of got us going on it. Um, you know, where does that fit into the Russian hacking? Um, in the last election, was there any any kind of psychic stuff going or remote viewing going on with that? Because I, yeah. I have a feeling the Russians are still still engaged in that. You know, did, 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 that's another whole <laughs> that's another whole topic, I guess. But it's kind of an interesting yeah. thought pattern, I think. You know, our country, you know, um, another whole aspect of this is that the, you know, using our thoughts against us or using, you know, um, or, or making us believe a certain paradigm that maybe isn't real. Yeah. You know what I mean? By implanting um, some kind of power, drawing some kind of power off of the collective unconscious and um, using it to impact what what you know the way people view things. I guess maybe. Yeah. Not remotely view, but. Uh, you know, we we're leaving it to the listeners yeah, to tell us what they do. think. I think we always do, which is good. Go to the show page. This is episode ninety. Look at what we have up on the page. Go see what else you can find on this. And to and do you think that this is a, is the pro program still going on with another name? You know, is because the thing is, is like if they had if they got any results from what they had done. Um, I, I highly doubt that they packed up, uh, shop and, and just up and quit. Yeah. It might've just gone underground. Yeah. It should be interesting to see how that, um, Skinwalker show ties into if there's any tie in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of stuff to think about. Yeah. A lot of stuff out there. Once again, Walt, what a, what a great show. Um, and, uh, yeah, do me, do me a favor. Um, Keep, let's just keep researching on this and see if we can get some other guests. Yeah, when I when I first started looking into it, I, I didn't know um, if really if it was really going to be a whole show, you know, because 
Um, there's just a lot of elements to it that you, that you really have to that you don't really know until you start really looking into it and doing a little bit of research about what actually happened. And and this group of guys that really started this, yeah. they were pretty pretty interesting characters. Ing- Ingo Swan is the guy that was really the yeah the premier um, remote viewer. He he really is the one that got it rolling. He's he's unfortunately passed away, but uh, he was actually an artist. He was an artist in New York City. I don't so. doubt it. I don't doubt it. So I I think again they're going back to what we were talking about before i think artists have some ability to um i think maybe left brain right brain has something to do with yeah. it too um i know most artists access the, the right brain and grant cameron talked about that yeah. and maybe that's part of it too maybe that's what gives you maybe the right brain is what gives you access to those to that field you know so that you can uh, tap into that exactly well, Walt, another great show. Yeah, um, I think so. I yeah, think so. and uh, I, I again just um, a thank you to everybody who um, was patient enough to let us go down this very, very strange road in this episode, and uh, just trust us when we say that there is more strange things to come. Ah, uh, yeah, no doubt, no no shortage. <laughs> Every time, no, I've, I've convinced that there's no end to the amount of topics. I, I when we first started the show way back when. I said, to think, well, you know, maybe this will be a good run. We'll be able to talk about some of the things that we've just talked about over the years. And, yeah. and then that'll be it. And maybe it'll go a year or whatever. There, there's, there's no end to it. It just it just keeps stuff just keeps coming along. You know, that's interesting, at least to me anyway. Yeah. You know, so, so that's a good thing. And hope, hopefully we're raising people's um, awareness a little bit about yeah. some of these more esoteric type of topics. Yeah. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them, yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, and form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on. (laughs) 